0: This episode contains depictions of child abuse, torture, and death. If any of these topics are difficult in any way, please join us on another adventure. Thank you.
1: What should I call you?
2: Whatever you want.
1: Names are important, in the fairy tales and in real life. What's your name?
2: It's not my name anymore. It's been stained. What do you mean? Too many bad people used it, and now they're... Stench
1: is all over it. Stench can get washed out, though. Not this one. Well, we can pick a new name for you, then.
2: <laughs> like what?
1: Uh, alright, uh, let me think about it. I didn't think I'd get this far. English or Russian?
2: Do I look English to you?
1: I don't know. You speak English. Who do you? Yes, but I had to learn it. They taught all of us in school. I was one of the best.
2: I had to learn it, too. Really? I had to learn many languages, Italian, French.
1: Damn. Okay, you win. Were you a noble or something before you got wolfed?
2: No, I wasn't.
1: Why did you have to learn all of that then?
2: That's my story, not yours. And we're not done with yours yet.
1: Has anyone ever told you you're a tease?
2: Yes.
3: After I answered your question, you came to visit me every day. It was always the same thing. You'd ask me questions, I'd make bargains for things I needed. It worked for me. I told you some things about my father, and I got a nice wool blanket. I told you about some of the things my mama did as a witch, and I started getting meals brought to me twice a day. It was beneficial for both of us. After a week or so, you told me about the other children. Well, you started with just one. You said...
4: His name is Maxim. He's 15 years old. He was a ward of the state.
3: And now he's a ward of a different part of the state, I muttered. You ignored me.
4: He went missing five years ago. The director of his orphanage reported it after 24 hours. The orphanage was surrounded by thick woods, so nobody really expected to find him. You know how woods are. There's all sorts of animals. No place for a 10-year-old.
3: Yeah, I know how woods are.
4: Right. They searched for about a month, but he'd vanished. His friend said he was playing a game of hide-and-seek with them on the orphanage grounds, and he must have run off. Kids always run away from those types of facilities, but he must have been really desperate to run straight into the woods. He must have known there'd be no way to get through to any of the sign of civilization.
3: You paused, troubled by the thought of a child picking the deep, dark woods over the adults supposed to be in charge of them.
4: They found him, five years later. He was walking along the side of a motorway. His clothes were different, he was a little dirty, but not visibly injured. He'd obviously been eating somehow, he looked healthier than when he'd left, and... Well, here's the thing. He was still ten years old.
3: I smiled. I love a good fairy tale. He stayed then for five years?
4: Stranger things have happened.
3: A corner of your mouth twitched like this was our inside joke. What do you want me to do?
4: He hasn't talked to anyone since they brought him in.
3: Aw, really? But the guys here are so friendly. How many times did they try their brain frying equipment on him? You winced. Sasha. No, no, sometimes you just need to electrocute children for the good of the motherland. I understand.
4: Talk to him, please. He'll listen to you. Why would he? You're just like him.
3: Wow, thanks. I'm just like a ten-year-old boy. You paused, trying to figure out how to phrase that better.
4: You're a patient here, same as him. You might have had similar experiences. He may trust you, while he doesn't trust any of the adults.
3: I'm an adult, Ben. You nodded, looking at the floor. You said we're patients? What are we getting cured of? You didn't look at me as you got up to leave.
4: Please, Sasha? Think about it. You'd be doing me a favor.
3: The door shut behind you. I didn't want to do it. I liked kids. Well enough. But the thing about them is that you can't lie. They sniff that shit out. If I went in there with the goal of getting information from my hot government employee, he'd clam up. He'd hate me even more than he hated the guards. Just because I was like him and working with them, he'd think I was selling out. I wrapped my blanket around myself. Was I selling out? I lay down on my little bed, curled up. When I opened my eyes again, I was watching my father standing in front of me. I watched in silence as the policeman gunned him down. I watched his body fall. There was no sound. In the dream, each of the policemen had gray eyes. I jerked awake, breathing hard. That was the first time since they scrambled my brain that i had a dream. Didn't feel like a dream, though. It felt like something more and less different. When you came in, I told you I'd talked to Maxim. You smiled. It almost felt worth it.
1: You brought me into his room that same day. You held the door open, What a gentleman, and I limped in. Same grey box, same tiny barred window, same sky. The only difference was that the bed had a tiny boy tied to it. They'd used the sheet, it looked like, to wrap around his body and secure somewhere under the bed. It looked like a shroud. The only part of him sticking out was a tiny face. He had light brown skin, a shaved head that clearly used to have black hair, and scars all over his face. I felt a pang. Somewhere down in my body, where I'd imagine other people have their souls. Up until that moment, I hadn't thought about just how young Ten was. He was just a little kid. He should've been figuring out how to use cans of graffiti with his friends, stuffing his face on ice cream, having pillow fights. He looked so wrong there in that bed that I almost started screaming. What the fuck are we doing here? What the fuck is wrong with this fucking country? Every Russian person knows the deep urge that comes from inside your chest, the urge to scream about how wrong everything is, and why isn't anyone else saying anything?
2: Every Russian knows how to suppress that urge.
1: Yeah. You get really good at shoving everything down until you stop feeling it. And then it only comes back in pangs. That's all the moment was. A second of me wondering how we could have gotten to the point of a little boy tied to his bed waiting for someone to come and fry his brain. And then? And then I took a breath and I got over it. What else could I do?
2: You could have screamed.
1: Why? If anyone should have been screaming, it should have been him. I had no right to be upset at seeing his pain.
2: You were in pain too. You went through a lot of the same things. You weren't allowed to be upset.
1: Of course I wasn't. It would have made Ben uncomfortable to see me get upset by torture.
2: Your pain or his comfort? That's always the choice, isn't it?
1: No, it isn't. It's not the choice. There was never any question which one I'd ignore.
2: Keep going. You went into the room?
1: I went into the room. I said, are you Maxim? He didn't answer. This would be a long day. Can I sit down? I asked. Can I stop you? He said. I laughed, and he flinched like I'd smacked him. Actually, I think he would have been less surprised if he'd been smacked. I sat down on the floor by his bed. What's the straitjacket treatment for? Did you fight the guards? I'd pay to see that. You look like you weighed ten kilos. Shut up. My mama used to cook pieces of meat that were bigger than you. Shut up! The bed shook and moved a few centimeters towards me. I raised my eyebrows. Maybe there was a reason this kid was tied down. Is that what you can do, Maxik? You can move things with your mind? He didn't answer, and his lips were pursed in a way that made me think he'd already revealed more than he was trying to. I switched gears. How old are you again? Fifteen? He muttered. Yeah? Really ten kilos? He turned his head a couple degrees just to glare at me. I grinned back. He sighed and turned away. You're annoying me. I'm charming you. We're gonna be friends by the end of this conversation. I'd rather have, a, have the guards take me to the electroshock therapy room again. I inhaled through my teeth. Damn, Moxic, that shit hurts. Of course it does. It's electroshock therapy. His voice was completely flat, but he looked like he was trying not to smile. Oh, you're funny. You're a funny kid, Maxik. Good job. Don't call me Maxik. I'm Sasha, by the way. Nice to meet you. He sighed, seeming to resign himself to his fate of having a conversation with me. Boy Sasha or girl Sasha? Or. That got him to look at me. I love corrupting kids with my gender identity. That's
0: not how it works.
1: Sure it is. It works how I say it does. His eyes widened slightly and he moved like he was trying to sit up. Wait, are... are you... are you real? Are you from out there? Did you come to get me? The pain from earlier was back. How little reason... For hope did this kid have that just seeing someone who differed from the norm made him latch onto the idea that I was some magical creature coming to rescue him. I forced myself to smile and tugged at my grey shirt. Same pajamas as you, Max. We're in the same boat. I'm stuck in here too. He lay back down on his bed. Oh. He turned his head to stare at the ceiling again, and if I didn't know better, I'd think he was going to cry. I should've asked him what he did to get put in there. I should've asked him about his powers, his life, where he went for five years while he was still ten years old. I made my voice as soft as I could and asked, Where are you from, kid? His voice broke. Novosibirsk. My parents were Mongolian. Yeah, I figured. My mom is Mongolian. She alive? For a second. I really wanted to break my papa's rules. I wanted to get this kid out of his little fabric jail inside his bigger jail and I wanted to hug him and cry. I really wanted to cry. No, I said. She's dead. Your papa? They killed him. That, of all things, made Max smile a little, even as tears were tracing sideways lines down his face. So we're both orphans. I barked out a laugh. Of course we are. All the fairy tales happen to orphans. He laughed too, through his tears. As if our lives weren't bad enough already. He quieted down, turning his dark, serious eyes on me again. Do you really think this is a fairy tale, Sasha? I thought about it. No. I said, I think this is a horror story. He smiled again, and God, I would have died for that kid just then. I'd known him for two minutes, and if anyone had asked me to, I would have died for him. I leaned closer. Look, the guy out there, the English one, he can get you untied from this shit. If you talk to him just once, I bet he'd do it. Why would he do that? Is he good? He wouldn't be working here if he was good, Max, but he's... Polite. Getting his hands dirty makes him uncomfortable, I think. You can use that. Make things better for yourself. We're already at rock bottom. We can make our way up. He hesitated. But I'd have to talk to him about things. Fairytale things. It would be quid pro quo. What? Me and my year of college education. Fucking pretentious. It's a trade. You're not betraying anybody by making things easier for yourself. Maxim looked at me, and I could almost feel him reading out the contents of my soul. After a moment, he shook his head. I'd be betraying her. The way he said it made the hair on my arms stand up. Who's her, Max? My Baba. I thought no fucking way. No fucking way. Was I dealing with a boy who was younger than he should have been, who disappeared in the woods with a baba? I was very close to asking if she had a house with chicken legs, but... I didn't really want to know. Pissing her off probably wasn't a great idea, but... I had to get this kid out of this bed somehow. Lie, Mox. Make up a story for him. Tell him it's an even trade. Lie? He sounded unsure. Yeah. You're an orphan, you know how to, don't you? He nodded. The door opened and you poked your head in, studiously avoiding looking at Max.
4: How's it going in here?
1: You asked. I braced one of my hands on the wall and stood up. It's fine, we're friends now. I charmed him. No, you didn't, he muttered. You smiled.
4: That's great to hear. Are you ready to leave, Sasha?
1: No. Let me stay with him. Let us stick together. I nodded. When I turned back to smile at Max one last time, he smiled back. The door shut behind me.
2: And that was the first kid?
1: That was the first kid.
2: You're getting better at this.
1: Really? You're complimenting me now?
2: I said you were better. I didn't say you were good.
1: <laughs> Asshole.
2: Is that boy still alive, Sasha?
1: No. I don't think any of them are. Or if they are, they're not them anymore.
2: Are you still... you?
1: If I start thinking about that, I'll never sleep again. Are you still you, Wolfgang?
2: You are not naming me Wolfgang. It's fitting. No. I'm not me anymore.
1: Is that the good thing?
2: Depends on who you ask.
1: Yeah. Same here.
0: This episode of Go I Know Not With stars Thomas Malinovsky, Rose Madsen, Tessa Padromo, and Logan Kim. It was written by Thomas Malinovsky and edited by Olivia Spreen. Cover art is by our friend Sasha. You can find them on Instagram at at a week. Special thanks to our patrons Tessa Padromo, James Harper, Jennifer Parlett, and John Ashley Mulvaney. Also, thanks to Val Vinyatskovsky. If you'd like to support Go I Know Not Whither and any future podcasts, check us out on our Patreon and on our Instagram at, at Malinovsky and Spreen. We really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Try to casually bring up a conversation with your Slavic friends the subject of grandmothers, houses, and chicken legs. We'll see you next time as we go we know not whither to find we know not what.